Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage. Building experiences that connect, remove friction, and deliver insights. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend and Verisage Institute colleague, Ed Kless, and also our other Verisage Institute colleague, Greg Kite. Hey, Ed, how's it going? Great, Ron. Can't wait. This is our, kind of like our holiday special. Yes, our annual uh, uh, discussion with Greg Kite. Let me read a man, although I think everybody knows him. Greg Kite is the G. Robert Newhart Non-Value-Added <laughs> Fellow at Verisage. I love that at Verisage. He's been performing stand-up since 2002. Have you gotten good yet, Greg? No, no uh, I'm almost there. Almost there. <laughs> and he's brought that experience, energy, and humor to the stage as an MC for ZeroCon and Thrival's Deeper Weekend and Gusto's conferences. And so he's also been heard by literally tens of thousands of CPAs in his uh, behavioral ethics courses on the CPA Academy and in course of platforms. He's also a licensed CPA, believe it or not, in Utah, where he's the controller for a group of medical office buildings. Greg, welcome back to the Soul of Enterprise. I'm, I am so excited to be here for, I, I want to say this is the third, but possibly the fourth uh, year-end episode of The Soul of Enterprise that uh, <laughs> that I've been the guest for, which which I believe makes me the subscription-based guest for That's right. The Soul of Enterprise. <laughs> Because all that you guys, it's it's a it's a very clear deliverable, and it happens every year. And you guys, all you have to do is just pay me in smiles and compliments, <laughs> and and I'm here to I'm here for it. And it doesn't yeah. matter if we're naughty or nice. It, it, well, <clears throat> unlike Santa, I, unlike Santa. Matter. Clearly, well, and that's the thing. It's it's funny when you Ron, when you were saying, I think everybody knows him. Uh, at first, I was like, no, and then I was like, oh, wait, on this show, yes, yes, because <laughs> of, of the commercials. <laughs> yep, yikes. Well, Greg, we're not going to do segments. We're just going to have a roundtable discussion. And oh, geez, there's so much to cover. But let's start with your podcast. Oh, give okay. us the when, where, why, who, what. <laughs> Well, uh, so about two years ago, I started a podcast called Oh My Fraud with Caleb Newquist. You guys, you guys both are pals with Caleb. Yep. Uh, Caleb's the he founded Going Concern, the uh, the accounting podcast's original snarky website for smart asses, which was what still drew, is. Yeah, which drew me to it and ended up uh, having me and Caleb work together. So yeah, we uh, I'd been doing that my my Thrivecast podcast with Jason Blummer with the Thrival CPA Network. I've been doing that for about 10 years. I quit doing that podcast. And shortly after that, Caleb called me and he was like, hey, you want to do a podcast? And I was like, nope, I don't. Uh, but the way but the way I told him that is I said, I said, listen, because he was like, let's do it. Let's do a podcast on fraud because he and I had done several webinars on fraud. And uh, and I was like, ah, you know what? I, I'm done doing podcasts. If, if, if this was something where we could like change the world, uh, with it, then yeah, let's do it. Otherwise, uh, I think I think I'm good. And 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 the whole change the world thing was me just trying to say it, it's a no. This is a no, but trying to right. say it gently. 
Um, and then like four months later, he calls me back. He's like, Hey, I think I figured out a way where we can change the world with our podcast. And it's because it was because uh, Blake uh, Oliver over at Earmark CPE cracked the code on how to get CPE for listening to podcasts. So um, I, so, so I was like, okay, well that makes, that makes some good sense. So we started the podcast. We launched it. Like I said, two years ago, we, we are not an interview podcast. Uh, primarily we do do some interviews, but we're mostly a case study podcast, which if you want to know how to have to work really hard at podcasting, do it the way we do it. If, yeah. if you're like, I didn't, I'm a lazy person. I didn't realize what I was getting into with the amount of research we have to do for this damn podcast that I do every other week. But, uh, but it's also, I think it's something that kind of sets us apart as being unique because we we're actually getting into some meat and potatoes about something that you can really learn from. So it's, so it's fun. We've had a blast. Yeah. You guys have done what? 48 episodes. Yeah. Yeah. We're, yeah, yeah we're, we're doing our, our schedules every other week and you can, and you can find it anywhere. And right. yeah, we've done it for just about two years. So yeah, we're, we're pushing 50 now for those episodes. And, and Greg, I'm a devoted listener. And I'll tell you, I've taken away many lessons and, and really I do uh, admire your guys' uh, in-depth analysis. I mean, you really do your homework and I know how hard that is because we try and read every author's book that comes on this show. And that's overwhelming too, because we have right. so many authors on totally. in a year. Yeah. Um, but, and, and I've got lots of lessons I've taken away before I share with you some of mine, I want to know what your lessons have been just doing the show overall, other than the fact that you guys don't seem to know the difference between a backslash and a forward slash. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That's, that's me. I'll take forward. And also, I mean, really, do you care? It's the way, I mean, it's just the slash It's the slash that you know where it is on the keyboard, not the slash. You don't know where it is on the keyboard, but <laughs> I thought you handled that beautifully, by the way, with that guy. <laughs> oh, I, I tell you what, that was actually, that was such, so, so yeah, so you're referring to a, a, a review that we got that was basically someone saying, I love this podcast, except the fact that these dumbasses can't figure out the difference between a forward slash and a backslash. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it was really like, okay, if that's the only thing that if, if that's your only negative, then that's a, that's a pretty glowing review in my mind. Absolutely. Like the but, grammar Nazis that come after you, you know, but, but I mean, Ron, there's so many things that we've learned from doing this podcast. Uh, I have realized that if I didn't have such an overbearing conscience, I could become such a fantastic, uh, uh, embezzler of funds. I could, I mean, I, I, I could get away with it. No one would ever, uh, be able to find what, what I stole. It's really a masterclass in how to steal money. It's what we're what we're doing. But hopefully for good for good guys. Um, the uh, but but here here's the most. I guess the current most poignant lesson that I learned on the podcast was because uh, because one of the things that's a that's a theme is uh is is the lack of internal controls that that companies have and a lot of times like even going back you know the, we we interviewed um kelly richmond pope who did a uh a, a documentary on the rita crundwell case she was the dixon illinois mm -hmm. um uh, comp controller who stole 53 million dollars from this oh. little tiny town of fifteen thousand people over the course of i think it was 30 or 40 years and uh and the whole problem there was there was no internal control. She she was a one man 
banned for the accounting department for the city. So she had nobody looking over her shoulder. So yeah, of course she could steal all the money. We just we just recently uh, dropped another episode about this lady named Claudia Viles, who she was an elected tax collector in middle of nowhere, Maine. Um, and, and it was weird because like tax collector, is that is that a job that exists outside of the New Testament? Does she hang out with Jesus? <laughs> who's this? Who's this? Believe person? it or not, it is a job. It, it is. They, they, they outsource it. Yeah. Well, well, I'll tell you, they they so they still to this day have elected uh, tax collectors. I know every county in Florida has a, a county tax collector, and and it looks like in the New England area, most states in the New England area still have a municipal tax collector whose whose job is to collect like excise taxes, which is well for Claudia Viles, it was basically your car registration every year. That was her mm-hmm. her job, and uh, and she she ended up embezzling uh, five hundred thousand dollars. That they could, uh, that they could, that they could uh, prosecute her for, because she had had that job for thirty three years, and the statute of limitations only let them go back five years. So it's like they found a half a million bucks in the last five years out of a career that's six times that long. So it's like she's got a lot more than uh, the the half a million bucks that they found. Um, but then, most recently, in this this case hasn't even dropped is the case about the Roslyn School District. Uh, there was actually a, a, a movie on HBO uh, about the Roslyn School District scam. It was called Bad Education. It starred Hugh Jackman um, as the principal uh, in the movie. And what what had happened is he was the superintendent for the school district. It was a very, very uh, prestigious school district. They had like 25% of their high school graduates who would go on to Ivy League schools. So And 95% of their graduates who would go on to college, period. And you think, as a former educator, 95% of your graduates Big. go into college, that's unheard of. And so these guys were ranked as like the top, like in the top 10 public high schools for their district, their, their district high school was in the top 10 high schools in the nation for public high schools. Um, but the superintendent and his assistant superintendent, who was basically the CFO for the district together, they stole $7 million from, from the, uh, from the school. District. And here's, here's the crazy thing about how the story goes down too, is, uh, is at first the external auditor found about, uh, uh found $250,000 worth of transactions that that uh, were that that uh, of unauthorized transactions that were made by the the CFO, and and was like, hey, here's a quarter million dollars worth of stuff that the superintendent who also had been stealing money was like, oh my goodness, I am aghast that anyone would steal this money from our district. And he went to her, he's like, he's like Pam, her name was Pam Gluck, and he was like, Pam, you, this is this is outrageous. You need to resign. You need to repay that two hundred fifty thousand dollars. And you need and and you need to you know never come back here again, basically. And he convinced the board, the school board of the same to the school board knew that she'd stole the money, and the school board was convinced to just let her go. And and then later on, like I said, it it comes undone. There was a, there was like this anonymous letter of a whistleblower that got sent to a bunch of local politicians about that that the two hundred fifty thousand dollars was only the tip of the iceberg. Which also two hundred fifty thousand dollars was hush hush. They said she had like some health issues, uh, and that's why she had to retire early, uh, leave her position, and forfeit her educator's license, which doesn't make sense. But um, anyways, I, so it took a couple of years for all this stuff to get fully exposed. And 
when it finally did, it turned out that the school district had policies up to like with like a twenty eight, twenty nine million dollar limit for employee theft. So they they had the insurance to take care of it. But the policies required that they that if there was theft in the district, that those insurance companies were informed as soon as practicable Mm -hmm. for those things. And since they just let her kind of go quietly, they voided all of these policies that they had that would have more than covered the, the 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 millions and millions of dollars that they they so so ron back to your question what's the biggest lesson i have right now it used to be make sure that you have internal controls now the biggest lesson is is if you don't have the resources because that's you're looking at claudia viles in maine you're looking at rita crunwell in illinois um they didn't have internal controls they didn't have the proper checks and balances because they didn't have the resources for those proper checks and balances so if you don't have the proper resources get yourself some employee theft insurance if you're if you're the the head of any organization and you think that there's any faults in your internal control get that employee employee theft insurance and then make sure that you turn people when you catch them so that's that's, that's awesome. the biggest right now well greg the other thing i take away is just how rare it is that an external or an internal auditor catches this stuff yeah i mean yeah, you guys yeah. talk about the stats all the time isn't it less than 10 percent for both of them that oh that yeah ca- yeah, so that, yeah, that's amazing. Unfortunately, Absolutely. Greg, we have to take a break. Already? But, uh, you know, already, yeah. It flies by, man. We got to hear Greg uh, Kite commercials. Yeah, oh, we got, oh, yeah. Right. our, our right. people demand that. Uh, so, folks, we'd <laughs> like to remind you, if you want to contact me or Ed, send an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Do check out our Patreon show where you can become a subscriber and uh, get access to our bonus content. You can do that by going to patreon.com slash tsoe. That channel is sponsored by 90 Minds. Get ahead, hire a mind, check their work out at 90minds.com. And now we want to hear from our sponsor, Bookskeeping Franchise, and others. Follow Voice America at facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I recorded the advertisement for Ron and Ed's book, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Blah 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 Whatever, and four years later, we're all tired of it, especially me. But thankfully, there's a solution. For just $10 a month, you never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe now. Ron, we talk a lot about business opportunities. Well, now a great one has become our sponsor. Bookskeepingfranchise.com. Bookskeeping with an X. That's right, Ed. If you are interested in becoming part of the $4.2 billion bookkeeping industry for a franchise fee of just under $20,000, visit www.bookskeepingfranchise.com. Bookskeeping comes with full training, plus marketing and technical support, and even staffing. Visit the website or call 855-935-2669. Franchise opportunity not available in all states. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. 
These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And we are back with the G. Robert Newhart, non-value-added fellow of the Verisage Institute, Greg Kite, uh, on our annual conversation with him. And and, and Greg, just follow on. Uh, first of all, uh, that Roslyn School District, uh, that was Long Island. And if the reason why is North Shore of Long Island. And I'm telling you, the, those those people have the money. That's like where Great Gatsby w- was about. So that's why the, all of those folks go on to college. Right. They're <laughs> right. Well, and that, and that was another weird thing about kind of the, uh, you know, because the, the, if you if you go back to like your accounting classes and you talk about the fraud triangle, you have to have opportunity pressure and rationalization. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it was somewhere either between pressure and rationalization is you got this guy uh, who was uh, Fr- Frank Tassone, who was the superintendent and he lived in Manhattan and he was making $200,000 as, as a public educator, which again, I used to be that and $200,000 was unheard of as a public educator, but he was making that, but he's living in Manhattan. So he's the poor guy in Manhattan and he's the poor guy in Long Island, even though mm-hmm. he's making 200K. And, and he realizes that he's running an operation with an $80 million annual budget. And he goes, hey, any company that has an $80 million annual budget is paying their CFO a whole lot more than $200,000 a year. And then on top of that, he and he tried to use this as a defense where he says, my contract specifically says that the district will pay for any reasonable expenses for my job, which means my dry cleaning. And that, like, he, he literally... He had, there was $33,000 worth of dry cleaning bills that he had passed on to the school district over the course of like 12 years or something like that. But that was his thing is like, you can't have, you can't have a, a, a superintendent with a rumpled suit. Come on. So, so but the, the courts did not accept that as a valid defense. No, 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 no. But uh, so w- what, what I wanted to ask and just in follow up and, and all of the episodes that, that you've done on this, Greg, is what, what's the downfall? Is it usually the overextension of greed? Just, they just take it that one and they probably could have gotten away with it for a lot longer if they just hadn't pushed it over the edge. A- absolutely. Yeah, that I, I would say that's by far the biggest the biggest thing that's going to end up bursting someone's fraud bubble is is that and and they actually have there, there's certain testing that auditors should be doing to help determine if fraud is happening and one of those is 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 just to look at any like basically slice and dice your financial statements every way you can whether that's by account account by account or vendor by vendor vendor by by vendor is probably the most effective and you look at any vendor and you see you you basically take the top 10 vendors that were paid more this year than they were paid last year 
because what you find is exactly what you're saying. You get somebody because so many of these frauds start by accident. Even even the the Roslyn School District in Long Island, the the what I understand happened initially is that the superintendent was at a, a bagel shop and just grabbed the wrong uh, visa card out of his wallet and paid for his personal meal of like sixteen dollars or something like that on the on the school district card. And he was like, oh, I'll pay it back. You know, they're going to they'll ask me about it. I'll just pay it back. It's 16 bucks. Nobody's going to care. And then nobody ever asked him about it. So he was like, ooh, maybe I'm <laughs> on to something here. And so so then you do a little bit more and you do a little bit more and a little bit more. And, and that's really exponential growth is what ends up happening. So if you look at any vendor that had way more payments this year than last year, likely that's a that's that, well, not likely. That's just something that you need to look into further to ensure that that's not a fraudulent vendor that's just stealing money from your company. So and was and the other one that I've heard is is like the distribution of numbers. Like you look at all of the expenses and you see to make sure like there's not too many sixes in the first position. Like you look at the leftmost digit or something. Is that yeah. that's a that's a deal? That's a thing. I don't know. I, I and and there's even a name for it. and It's not coming to mind. But yeah, someone at some point, some some super genius person. Uh, was able to do the research to find that in 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 the real world, the digits zero through nine don't occur evenly like we would think. In like the leftmost, if you think about it, in the leftmost position, because by by definition, the one would appear first, and there would be more one. Like, there's more one oh, million dollar than yeah, two yeah. million dollars. There's more two million dollars than three million dollars. But, but even so. beyond that, I think it's just digits in general. So if you're mm. if you're coming up, with, if you have a random number generator that is honestly just making random, that's going to be different than what happens in the real world. So again, there's lots of theories about lots of theories, lots of proofs, lots of uh, scientific research that's gone into that, which again, I haven't looked into that. But yeah, that that is something that's true, but that's generally not what we're seeing as anything that's that's a way that people are widespread detecting fraud is by yeah. checking, checking people's fake numbers. So... And, and of course, I, you know, th- what the, the statistic that I never understood is, well, you know, we, we think that we only catch about 10 percent of all fraud cases. Well, how do you know? Like, like right. because <laughs> because by definition, you're not catching them. So therefore, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I 100 percent am with you on that. Well, and I think that goes back to some of the stuff we've talked about in the past with like Dan Ariely, where his his the way that he looks at it is, is like every, everybody everybody has has misappropriated from their employer to the level that they think is is perfectly defensible by them and i've even i've even done an example of that of going okay so if you you know you're not supposed to take company property so let's say that in the middle of the day you go oh shoot i forgot i've got a hair i've got a hair appointment today at 2:30 so you grab the pen from th- that your company bought and you're not going to you're not going to waste a post-it note because that's stealing so you write you just write the note on your hand but that ink on your hand <laughs> that's you just misappropriated that ink from your <laughs> company but again we'd all go yeah that's stupid nobody cares um but 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 also it, it did you ask if it was okay to write a note if, if you could use this company ink to you didn't so uh, so is it misappropriate yeah it is but it's just something that we can all justify so at some point i think we would have to say everyone has misappropriated something from their company not but likely if you you know had a a, a bout of conscience like i tend to have and you go and you go oh man 
I've written so many notes on my hand with company ink boss. And I, I just got to come clean. They'd be like, get the hell out of my office. You weirdo. Get back, get back to work. What are you doing? Yeah. So, uh, because you've just wasted more company money by the five minutes that you took yeah. talking to me about it than the ink that you've exactly, actually used. Exactly. Right. Which, which that's a whole nother weird thing, Ed, too, is that you get, I mean, we all know of this. Well, at least I think most people do that, especially like when you get into the retail industry, they actually do calculations about how much money should we spend on trying to deter shoplifting in our in our company, because if I have to, if I, I could buy a hundred, I could hire a hundred security uh, guards for my, for my comic book store and make sure that nobody steals any comic books from my comic book store. But then I've just lost more money paying these security guards than I'm ever going to lose by from stolen comic books. So, so, but, but you get really down into some very precision metrics where people are like, we just got to let people steal because uh, preventing it or deterring it, it's more expensive than. Yeah, just- it's it's just yeah. like we just did it. We we talked about risk on a show recently, and it's the same kind of evaluation. And you're exactly. usually looking at what the what the numbers are. Now, I I did hear this, and I don't know if you've come across this in any of the shows that you've done, and and I know most of the fraud that you're talking about has been committed in the U.S. But my understanding in that is that in Europe, it is far more likely to have employee f- f- theft and fraud. Than, than there is uh, having people come into your store and steal. Whereas in the U.S., it's a, it's much more preponderant that it's going to be pe- customers who are stealing than it is people who work for the store. Right, and and it is it is interesting because the the ACFE, the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners, they every two years they publish a report that's called the Report to the Nations, where they they have their international group of fraud examiners, and they they basically fill out. Uh, it looks like they fill out um, questionnaires ad nauseum for the organization about the cases that they've done. They obviously, you know, take out the details to protect the innocent or the guilty. And so they get a lot. They get a lot of interesting data. And there is some there are some interesting differences uh, region to region ar- around the world that you will find when it comes to fraud. Like, for instance, uh, typically in the United States, if you're just talking about embezzlement, so they they look at three different types of fraud specifically. They look at asset misappropriation, which is basically embezzlement. They look at financial statement fraud, which is like your Enron kind of stuff, and they look at your corruption, which is you know fraud, uh, uh, bribes and kickbacks. And and what they find is that, and then they break it down by gender. So that what they find typically is that in the United States women are more likely to commit embezzlement type frauds, whereas men are more likely to commit the financial statement fraud or the the corruption type fraud. But then when you look at the Middle East, all of it is dominated entirely by men. But you're looking at at societies where women aren't allowed some of the basic freedoms that women are allowed here. So obviously mm-hmm. they're not going to be in charge of the purse strings of the company where you actually can steal, steal things or, or falsify financial statements and things like that. So, so yeah, there, there are some interesting international uh, differences that, that we get into. We, we covered if, if you're looking at for cases on, uh, on Oh My Fraud, like episodes that are great international cases, uh, there's one about a guy named Fat Leonard, who he he was he he basically bribed. It was a corruption case, and he basically bribed the entire Seventh Fleet of the United States Navy because he had a. It's hysterical. Few, it, it's it's un. 
real. And I mean, and, 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 and man, there's sex, there's drugs, there's booze, there's, there's prison breaks. It's a, it's a, it's an amazing story, but again, and this is kind of what made me think about it, Ed was, was with your question is that one of the things that you do find is in countries with emerging economies, giving bribes is just part of daily business. It's like, you can't, you can't do your business unless you're greasing some palms. And so what happened with him is he started his, his, his father actually ran a, a merchant supply business for, for merchant ships. And he took over his, his dad's business. And that was part of his job was just it's merchants to come in and he'd have to pay off port officials to be able to run his business. He'd have to get whatever these guys needed to get back on the, on the, on the road, but what the boat back on the waves back into the uh, big, big what I, anyway, so he would do that, but then he gets a, he gets a contract. He gets many contracts with the Navy and he, and then, but he's still using these same tactics, but it's like, Oh yeah, you absolutely can't do that when you're dealing with the U S Navy, but he did. And the people accepted them. And there's so many. I mean, I could go on and on about yeah. so much stuff. With well, we'll 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 catch up with a couple more of those. But we are up against our next break. I want to remind our listeners that they can get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, the website is the Soul of Enterprise, where you can see show notes as well as previews to upcoming shows. Do us a favor and like and subscribe the podcast on your favorite podcast player of choice. Many of our listeners use Apple Podcasts to find it. The great thing about subscribing is that you never miss an episode. But Right now, a word from our sponsors, and we'll be back after this. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever listened to an online radio show that changed your life? I'm required to say that I have. Have you ever stopped listening to an online radio show because the commercials were mind-numbingly repetitive? Of course you haven't because you're here right now. Look, you don't have to listen to me anymore. There's a commercial-free version of this show, and it only costs $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get no commercials plus bonus content. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE, subscribe now, and be free. You're worth it. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Greg Kite, the co-host of Oh My Fraud. Greg, one more thing. Episode 32 blew my mind. Every CPA listening to this needs to go listen to that episode because you interviewed Stephen Thomas. Oh, yeah. 
And the title of the show is The Lawyer Who Sues the Big Four for Missing Fraud and yep. Wins. Now, since I've been in this profession, Gap explicitly says we cannot detect fraud. We're not responsible for fraud, blah, 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 blah. This guy drags them into court and he kicks their butt. Yeah. Yep. He absolutely does, which, and that's the, because we talk about that a lot. And I think, I know we talked about it with him was the expectations gap, which is what the CPA firms, they, they, they want, they, they beat that drum a lot whenever yeah. they miss a fraud. Cause they're absolutely. like, Oh, listen, you signed an engagement letter. And in that engagement letter, you certified that you understood that we're not going to catch everything and that there's frauds that are still going to come through, but you have certain frauds where it's like, you absolutely if you were following generally accepted auditing procedures, there's no way you would have missed this fraud by by any means. And and it's funny because an example of that comes to mind goes back to that Rita Crundwell case um, in Dixon, Illinois. Because again, you've got the city comptroller; she stole fifty three million dollars from the city, and which which is that's that's on the high end of any of the frauds in terms of just dollar values that we've ever looked at is fifty three million dollars, and coming from a little teeny town, and she so so they used Clifton Gunderson was the CPA firm that they used back then. It's it, it's I can't remember what they're called now, but it was Clifton Gunderson back then, and I mean in terms of just. Uh, independence that Clifton Gunderson didn't appear to be having is they in they included uh, Rita in their uh, company softball team, so she played softball. <laughs> Which again, yeah, yeah it's that not, looks good. Yeah, exactly. It's because because we talk, and again, that's that's the you know the catchphrase for independence is independence in fact and appearance. In appearance, yeah. And if you're playing on their softball team, that does not impair independence at all. But it sure looks like it's impairing independence because <laughs> you're too cozy with the people who are auditing your books. But um, the, what she was doing is she had set up secret bank accounts with the bank that the city banked with, anyways. Mm-hmm. And, and so Clifton Gunderson, part of auditing is you, you write to the bank and you say, Hey, I need all the bank statements for all of the accounts that belong to this particular client. And they send you all the, so they, and, and there's evidence that in the work papers that Clifton Gunderson had, that they had bank statements for the secret accounts, for that, those accounts. that she was wow. using just as her own piggy bank. And, and then, and that's where, and so uh, Clifton Gunderson did get sued Again, even though they they explicitly say that they're not responsible for frauds that they that go undetected through the thing, it's like yeah, you you totally you missed you missed a, a layup on that one that you absolutely should not have missed. So so yeah, that's the kind of stuff. And yeah, Steve Steve Thomas, that's that he he does that, and he is able to get a lot of cases that aren't as cut and dried as Clifton Gunderson and and uh, Dixon Illinois. And, and and if I remember right, he's not settling outside of the of court on the steps. He's going to trial and beating these big four firms. Yes, is yeah, that right? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't think, I think he will. I don't think it's like a principled thing. Sure, I, I think sure, he, he will would settle. settle. Absolutely. Exactly. But, yep. but yeah, but I think what it is is it's a bit of the hubris of the big four that they're, and again, yep. sort of this, just this ubiquitous belief in the expectations gap where it's like, yeah, you, you think we do this, but we don't do this. And he's still, so, so they don't, they won't settle out of court because they don't think that they have any liability and they'd rather just take it and see where it goes. And yeah, then he, then he wins the cases against them. 
Yeah, the gal from Dixon. That's the town Ronald Reagan grew up in, you know, right. where he was I a mean, lifeguard and all. I mean, it was hysterical. Yeah. Well, speaking of auditing and independence, Greg, um, yes. let's let's discuss your problems with the subscription economy oh, or yeah. the subscription model. Um, yes, I'd, I'd love and, to. I'd love and, to. And, and first off, your problem with my five-star review right. of my book. You right. said that, you know, uh, leaving a five-star review on your own book seems a little bit like auditing your own financial statements. Well, right. I don't, I don't believe auditors are independent to begin with, but <laughs> just in, in, in my defense, that five star, that five stars was for Paul's half of the book. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. Got, no, no, you didn't, you didn't say that. I didn't say that. I, I forgot to say As that. Fact, just said, my- this, it reads, this is my forthcoming book. It doesn't say this is my, and Paul, this is. Paul's and my forthcoming book. So you really kind of left Paul out of the, out of the, uh, the, I'm just saying, well, that's before the book was published. Okay. So, uh, and, and, and then you were kind enough to remind me of our two-star review on Amazon that said, you know, this is just all fluff, blah, blah, blah. Right. And and again, I just want to say that's where Paul's half of the book. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) just so you know. So it's funny. So I did. Yeah. That, that, and, and they, every our podcast everyone gets one star reviews that's just what happens oh. so often one star reviews don't they, they just give you a star and they don't give any kind of like uh context or yeah context yeah. or any any support of what of their their thing you're the lowest review i could find where anyone actually like like gave a gave a review right because i guess the rating is the star the review is actually what they write so it was a two-star review and it said this guy said i'm halfway through the book and i'm amazed at the amount of fluff parentheses stories scientific bits etc and i'm like thinking what the hell does this guy think a book is if it's not stories and scientific he's like (laughs) was he expecting a novel was he expecting like character development what was going on here he just wanted he just wanted an outline i guess a checklist probably yeah maybe and the table of contents wasn't explicit enough for his needs i I, I felt that was really, it's like, it's like, damn it. I bought this novel and it was just a long story. Shut up. That was <laughs> long stories, you idiot. So that's, there you go. Too many characters. Um, I just read, by the way, Norm McDonald's uh, memoir. Yeah. The, the comedian. Okay. Yeah, I, ha- I haven't gotten that one yet. It didn't work for me. He, okay. but it was literary. He had a ghostwriter oh. and I won't do a spoiler, but he really tried to be it was it was clever he tried to be hunter thompson i mean vegas oh. drugs you know oh. gambling he, morphine i mean you name it um he did it um but it it just didn't work i just thought it he tried too hard or it fell flat but anyway gotcha. um you well, talk it, about uh santa uses the subscription model yeah I thought it was pretty funny. I think Um, so. I mean, I think his subscription model is similar to my subscription model with the soul of enterprise. But you, but you, but you point out that with subscription, you can cancel at any time. And then you give the example of your mom who, you know, subscribes to HBO max gets game of Thrones binges and then cancels. Right. And that's true. And you, you, uh, you say tax prep outfits are worried about this, but you say it doesn't happen very often. Well, here's the thing. A customer can leave any time, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. even under value pricing, we said offer a value guarantee 100%. They can get their money back and right, you'd have right, to right. give it to them. 
this you're only you're only have skin in the game for one month but that's not why i mean the the cancel any time is the new value guarantee okay gotcha and 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 again because that because yeah that's the thing is that it i know that that the the subscription model that you that that you are promulgating uh, includes a, that you can cancel at any time and isn't and isn't the 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 concern that those tax prep outfits have is that somebody's going to come along uh, you know in, in December and say hey yeah sign me up and then as soon as their tax returns done in March they're going to be like cancel and then the next year they come along and go hey sign me up again and then in March they go cancel and uh, and and to me part of that is also it's not nameless and faceless like an HBO Max subscription is where if somebody's played that game once you kind of go, yeah, I don't think we're going to take you back as a client as well. Yeah, I would question your your onboarding and your customer selection if if that turned into a big problem. But what we're seeing with the firms that do this is a churn rate of about four or five percent. I just talked to Jody Grundin oh, okay. at, uh, at uh, Digital, and he of course has one of the biggest subscription firms. It's eleven million dollars, and. He's got a 5% churn rate, and it's been that way since he's been doing subscription. Now, 5% is what you'd expect businesses to go under, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. they're not all going to hang around. There's some of them are going to go broke right. or right, right. sell yeah. or whatever. Gotcha. Yeah, your clients, so, you're going to have you're going to have 5% of your clients, especially if you're in the if you're serving the restaurant uh industry. No, it's more 20, than 20, way more than 5. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But but I think that also comes back to uh, also increasing your offerings because that's another thing that I love that you guys talk about about the subscription model is it's not just hey this is what you get every year but every year you're trying to sweeten that pot and go hey we're giving you more value this year than we got last year right yep you're trying to plus it every year just like Amazon Prime is constantly throwing yeah. out new benefits and that's how they you know that's how they explain their price increases they don't talk about costs they don't talk about labor they don't talk about inflation they talk about hey we've made 150 more cities available for same yeah. day shipping and right. Thursday night football and all these other benefits you might not even access any of them <laughs> but it right. throws a oh, halo yeah. it throws a halo over the entire offer yeah. So yeah, the offerings plus you can't go to the market with a, a common offering, yeah, because you'll well, just command a common price. You got to go to the market with uncommon offering. And listen, my mom, she like I said, she subscribes to HBO Max just to binge Game of Thrones. So if HBO Max would put out as just more sexy shows, like because she just or, watches or, it for the sex scenes. I know my mom <laughs> don't. <laughs> they just if they put out more sexy shows. My mom would subscribe year round, so they just need to plus their offering. offering. That's all I'm saying. Or, or they do what Netflix is starting to do, rather than drop them all at once, bleed them out over yeah. you know one a week or something. Right, right. The, yeah. the, Netflix is doing that now. Um, the other thing is, is, I'm with you. I don't want to subscribe to cat food and garbage liners and toilet paper and all that. But here, here's the big difference, Greg, and see if this resonates with you because I know you're a controller. Um, you're talking about. B to C subscriptions, we're talking about for the most part, B to B with CPAs and the churn rates are dramatically different. Actually, businesses love subscriptions because it's OPEX, not CAPEX. Usually cash flow is better. It's more predictable. So as a controller, I would think you would see the benefit of, of having, being able to subscribe to your accounting firm and just having whatever you need done taken care of. Just like when you have a doctor on subscription, a direct primary care doctor, whatever you need, 
that they can do. And there's the constraint because we're defined by what we don't do. Right. Yep. A GP is not going to do surgery. He's not going to do, you know, oncology. He'll get you to somebody who does those things, but he's not going to do it. So, but whatever he can do, you're covered. Yeah. 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 I've got more thoughts about that that we'll talk about after, after we get back to the break, listening to me. Okay. Excellent. (laughs) Well, folks, we'd like to remind you again, if you want to contact me or Ed, send an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. And now a word from our sponsor and Ed's employer, Sage. A little birdie told me Voice America is on X. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever been so annoyed by a commercial for a $5 ebook that you were willing to pay $10 to never hear it again? I sure have. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. Over the last several years, you've come to hate me, and I hate me too. By now, you know that for $5, you can get a copy of Ron and Ed's book. What you might not know is, for twice that much every month for forever, you can stop hearing me plug Ron and Ed's book, which totally makes sense, like the Diamond Water Paradox. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe today. Please, for the love of God, make it stop! The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And we are back on The Soul of Enterprise with Greg Kite. And Greg, one of the things that you suggested that we uh, do is maybe a little case study here. Uh, is how we could help you create a concierge comedy practice. So let's let's see if we can. You know, we're taking a p- page out of Hector Garcia's book, and we're going to do a, you know a, a live uh, uh, workshop here for you. Right, um, right. You, one of the things you should know is that we one of the the books that we talked about was about three years ago. Run the Ends Game, uh, yep, and we had Marco the author Bertini. on Marco Bottini had had gives an example of a comedy club in Spain, I believe, that charged by the laugh. Oh, they did. <laughs> Actually, yeah, yes. Yep. So you at, went in and now there was a max. So if you at, laughed over X number of times, you were paying the max. I think everybody ended up paying the max. So yeah, this yeah. does have some precedence, but you have okay. you actually have to actually have to be funny, Greg. That's the deal. Right. No, I know. That's, that's some of the that's that's what I'm still working on. But we'll just keep it in hypotheticals here. So but but it is. So how would how do you think that someone because I could see the subscription model working for a comedy club where you, mm, yes. you, yeah. if you, if you own a comedy club, you could, you could have a basically an annual pass to the comedy club. Mm-hmm. 
which is funny because I know of zero comedy clubs that actually do that. It seems brilliant to me that they would do it, but I want to back it up a step and go, okay, again, kind of like we were talking about right before the break is more of a B2B subscription for as a, as a comedian, well, I guess B2B or B2C, me going directly to the customer or me going to the comedy club, how would we do, how would a subscription model, do? You, how do you think, I mean, just, you know, spitball, how do you think a subscription model would work? Well, I think about your relationship with Jason, and that could have been subscription because subscription is all about recurring value, Okay. right? It's yeah. got to recur. That's why accounting is so good. Now you ask about law firms and that's a challenge, especially like with a divorce attorney, you know, the last right. thing you want is right. to have your divorce attorney <laughs> on subscription. Right. We right. always joke or about that. Just, or you're just very, you just, you just know yourself. Or, or, or a funeral parlor, right? Or right. a realtor. Those are very transactional. I still think there's ways to do it. We're just not creative enough yet to 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 break that barrier. But you could have had a subscription with Jason. You did the yeah. podcast. You did the emceeing, mm-hmm. you know, and other stuff for him. That could have been a subscription because you were providing recurring value. Right. Well, and let, let, so let's break that down a little bit. Maybe was that perhaps subscription because he did pay me monthly for and and we worked in that monthly fee included my mc services at his annual yeah. uh, and, event ed, ed and, says his job is subscription they're basically you're, you're, any your any job is really subscription right your okay. your employer subscribes to you effectively they pay you x number every two weeks at for whatever you want <laughs> whatever you know whatever what? whatever that was in the, is in the constraint of of your abilities within that organization i mean the, the hell with is it on my job description because nobody does that right i mean but, right I, right but it's, so you th- so think about it if you think about it in that context but just from a club perspective i would have to know a little bit more how you get paid from comedy clubs now i mean is it just like a flat fee per gig or something like that where you can certainly build in a certain number of appearances um and or you know other ancillary things that you could include you know free merch to them i I don't know they just there would be other things that you could build into the the subscription right well and the diff and the difficulty there is that typically for for a comedian who's like a full-time road comic who's out there hitting the pavement you know touring the the country doing doing gigs you're probably not going to go to the same venue uh twice in the same year that's unlikely right right right. that's going to happen so then and that and i think that's part of what is going to make that more well i guess that puts it more back to kind of what you were saying ron that makes it more of a transactional basis where it's like we need you at this point uh you know for these dates that we have and then we'll and then after you do that we'll see about booking you the next time unless and, and this is really wild but stick with me i mean if the comedy clubs banded together and pulled the money, much like you know Spotify with royalties, and subscribe to a pool of comedians that they could just draw on. Yeah, that would be kind of interesting. That would be, and and it's not, and there are uh, comedy club chains that exist. Like there's the Laugh Factory that's in several mm-hmm. cities. There's the um, oh shoot, like there's there they're slipping my minds right now, but I know that there's, yeah, there's several comedy clubs that have multiple venues in a bunch of, you know, Metro areas uh, where you could, you could have a, a relationship with that larger entity. And then that gets you into the different clubs, which isn't the other thing. And here's the other thing that's, that's interesting. And this is what makes comedy, I think a different beast and, and more elusive from the subscription side of things is that you also have comedians who every comedian ebbs and flows in terms of their draw that they have and kind of the influence that they have in the world. Cause like, like right now at, at one point, um, 
that Larry the Cable Guy was the most oh. highly paid comedian in the world. Yep. And nowadays he he'd still fill up a room, but he's not going to fill up a a, a stadium. A stadium, and sure. So, so because of that, you also have it's it's this it's it's a it's an elusive value that the comedian brings to the venue where where and again that's even the weird thing because you a lot of clubs will try a new comedian and they won't they're not going to pay them a lot but they're going to try them and then if they if they sell out their shows then they'll be like hey we need to come we need you back and that's how you continue your value with that club is you continue to sell tickets and then if you get to the point where it's like they're not bringing in the the the, the butts in the seats anymore then that's usually when the relationship gets terminated or the the pay gets decreased or something like that. So, so there's some really weird dynamics in terms of standup that you're not going to see, but, but, but I also can't see that that's much different because, because don't you have consulting practices that use subscription yep. model for their, because that's, I would see that as being the same thing. If you're a brand new consultant, you've got to prove your value first and then you've got to and and kind of the plusing your value i would see that from a comedian as every time you come in you got new material you got better material you got funnier stuff you got more followers on social media that you can reach out to that you can bring in to to put in the seats um with a consultant i would think it'd be kind of that where it's like last time here's the tangible difference i made to your business this time i need to make that even more um is that i, I mean are you seeing the no, there's definitely parallels there for sure. I mean, just in terms of and just from a corporate perspective, too, Greg, and you've done this, you know, hey, I'll speak at your conference. I'll do four webinars. I'll do whatever those kinds of it's, it's the same stuff. You're just going to be intentionally funny. Yeah, <laughs> right. right, not, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so how do so how do because, again, so so I would think I, I guess the way I think of consultants is also transactional where a company is going to reach out to a consultant and say, we have this specific problem. We need your help to solve this problem. And then once the problem is solved, we don't really need you anymore. But that is that accurate or is that inaccurate? Uh, it depends on the consultant and what, and what they consult on. Okay. I mean, this does put a premium on niching for sure. Oh, yeah. You know, because if you're well-defined like a GP is, Right. You, you can stay in your lane. And if anything comes outside of that lane, then you go get a specialist who specializes in that, just like a doctor would, you know, yes. go get a surgeon. Um, yes. Okay. That's so, what you were going to outreach to the ventriloquist, Greg. You're going right, to say, you're going right. to say, I, mean, I need to bring in the outside ventriloquist <laughs> I because I don't do that. I don't do puppets. Uh, so I don't do, I, or juggling. Juggling yeah, is not on yeah, the list. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. So, but for good. a CPA, it's really easy because, I mean, you know, if they do books, if they do taxes, the only thing that's really different in subscription is there's no more scope. It's whatever uh, the customer needs when they need it. And if we do it, you're covered uh, if right. you need it. And right. of course, you know, there's the constraint. If we do it, in other words, right. do care. You got to be competent. You know, I don't want right. to go to the heart surgeon who dabbles in it on the weekends. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I, I can, I, I can juggle. I'm just horrible at oh, it. Well. That's not part of what I, my comedy act. Now, the funny thing is, I started when I very first started doing comedy. I did it with a guy who was like a comedian juggler, and he does some pretty amazing tricks. And <laughs> I, uh, I ran stuff. into him, 
as a street performer not too long ago doing the same material he did 20 years ago. See, there's is, the problem. He's not plussing the offering. He's, not, he, he <laughs> he's not, exactly. not doing that. So, Ron, Ron, we, we got one more show next week. We have an undetermined topic, but I'm sure it's going to be fun. We're probably going to look into one of our stacks of stuff and maybe d- d- do a deep dive on an article or something. So Absolutely. And uh, we're going to hold Greg over, I think, for the bonus episode. For those of you who are not subscribed, this is why you want to subscribe. So you can listen to Greg, but not on commercials. All right. Ed, Great round. I'll right. see you in 167 hours. This has been the soul of enterprise business and the knowledge economy sponsored by Sage, building experiences that connect, remove friction and deliver insights. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at noon Pacific time. In the meantime, check us out at thesoulofenterprise.com. You'll see upcoming show topics and guests. Also, you can contact Ed or myself at asktsoe at verisage.com. Thanks for listening, folks. Have a great weekend.